Hey, hello there. Richard Del Conner, <clears throat> philosopher, poet. And uh, for somebody who's been a record producer since the early 70s, uh, yikes, I'm still getting my act together here, but resources, finances have been my biggest handicap, and I could call it an excuse or reason, but uh, I'm overcoming it and uh, anxious to do so. I bought a newer N-E-E-W-E-R microphone on one of those swing arms like they used to put a desk lamp on so I could swing it in front of my face and uh, do podcasts and things at my computer. And I just realized that that microphone's been messing me up. It sounds great for about one, two minutes, and then it starts going, and then it might even clear up at the end of the podcast. So if I don't listen to the entire recording, um, you know, double check it, which of course is good procedure, but when you're doing eight podcasts, it makes it kind of, well, <laughs> let's put it this way. You cut corners because it seems like the right thing to do time-wise. So anyway, I've only just discovered that a lot of my podcasts were really, I got to, I'm, in fact, I'm redoing this one. So this one is the, <clears throat> I'm right now in my little, in my closet recording studio. So it would be more convenient at my computer, but I'm in my, uh, like I said, my closet, I got two walk-in closets and this one I've converted into a, um, uh, what should we call a voiceover room? So anyway, let's get to work here. Oh, and there's a couple things I wanted to clear up in this episode too, because I keep um, I'll be talking about maybe homeless life for some maybe the next year, and then of course I really want to move on from that because I'm not homeless anymore, and I've got other things I want to do, and and I just don't want to deal with the past. But during those, um, well, let, I'll summarize my homelessness in just a minute. So like I said, I can move past it. But during those years, I kept recording all kinds of things on my phone and. Uh, this Zoom recorder, which is my studio right now in the in the uh, closet here. This is how I recorded the American Zen End of the Line album, the Kung Fu Cowboy and Zombie 3 recordings, and even the final American Zen album, which hasn't been released, Memorial Day album. They were all done on this Zoom four-track recorder. Very high quality. And the microphone I'm using is a really nice. It's a uh, Perfection 200 I think, it, what is it, a Philips microphone? It's a really nice microphone, and I've been really pleased with it. In fact, I actually, uh, when I got it, I went to the Guitar Center. No, I'm not sure it was Guitar Center. Might have been. But I went to a music store. It just, when I think of the interior, it doesn't, it doesn't I can't picture a Guitar Center. It might have been a different music store. The point being is I went there, and I had him put on microphone stands half a dozen different vocal microphones. Uh, talking about interruptions by cat once in. Hello there, bear. Let me finish this. Let me do a podcast here. I'll feed you in a minute. It's like I said. It, anyway, um, technical difficulty. Cat in the microphone. So anyway, the point being, um, I uh, lined up all these microphones in front of me that were between 150 and probably about $300. Well, just standing behind me scratching on the door. That's kind of rude. Oh, let's, fortunately, I got a pause on here. Let's do a pause. All right, I'm back. And that was part of my homeless life. So let's, let's just go through the, the story real quick, and then we'll get to Philosopher Poet in the Field of Dreams paperback book. All right. So anyway, in 2011, I was, the, I was ending the relationship I'd had, you know, or what, 22 years with my ex-wife, although that had ended actually long before that, and I'm not going to detail that particular marriage history, 
But basically, she left me to raise the kids, and it started with her just having a job, and I told her I wasn't going to have kids unless I could continue my work at home to build my record company, Shaolin Records. And uh, that's what I was doing when I met her. In fact, I was in the recording studio. She was coming in the recording studio with me several times a week, you know. And, and so she knew my life. She knew my ambitions, and she knew my business. And then I was also working as a professional photographer. So she was going to the shoots with me, and sometimes she'd work on the spotlights and stuff. So I thought of her as a valuable partner, and that's the only reason I married her, is I thought we would be a lifelong partnership. Well, the partnership ended after about three or four years. So unfortunately, we had a child after two or three, and so as a result, well, purposely had it. Anyway, so I stuck around for the kid. Otherwise, I would have been long gone. And the... Um, uh, I raised the kids, so and she left for sometimes I we wouldn't see her for a couple of weeks at a time, but she paid the rent, and then I just had to earn my own money teaching kung fu all those years, which was, made it into a business. It was my hobby, but out of need for money and you know wanting to do it anyway. And my cat wants back. And what do you want? I just fed you. Hello, bud. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's jump to my cat. My cat came into the picture in 2014, and. Uh, that was when I was uh, parked in the garage uh, underneath my kid's house. So I was seeing my kids and hanging out with them on a kind of semi-regular basis there, almost daily. And I was moving around, so I may have faded. I had to bend down and pet him there, so I may have faded out there. Okay, so anyway, I was, uh, uh, my son had a cat, and it was this cat. I actually had two cats, I guess. Uh, because he ended up keeping another one, but they were giving away all their cats. Their, um, my ex-wife brought home a male and a female. I said, you shouldn't do that. You're going to have kittens. And my ex, anyway, I don't want to really get into the problems of, of the relationship. But anyway, um, she didn't get them fixed. They had kids, and uh, then they had like, I don't know, eight little kittens running around the house. And when she was evicted finally she I, in fact I had got her into that place because she had been homeless before that and I used my connections with the Catholic Church to get her money well get me money saying that we were a family and then when she moved in there she said well you know I just want to live with Rory and you know not I don't want to I want you moving in with us so I got them to place and I ended up sleeping in my car in the garage you know in the under they had a carport underneath the apartment building in the back so it was open air on three sides and then the building and the uh, apartments above me so anyway I was in that uh play in that apartment thing for like a year 2013 to 2014 September I guess and it was that summer that I released the end of the line album so I'd record I was recording it in my car uh, usually parked out on the street so I could sing and play really loud and I wouldn't have to worry about the neighbors but I did write all the songs in that parking thing and sometimes I'd get applause from the neighbors anonymously I'd hear them clapping from their windows because they were listening to me singing and practicing <laughs> and I would I'd get applause sometimes it was kind of cute um, and a little embarrassing really because I didn't want to get in trouble for being homeless there and uh, which ended up did being a problem anyway but okay so um, when they moved out that uh, September 7th or something, everybody was out. I was the last one out because I stayed there to clean out the apartments. And uh, the, um, uh, this cat was one of the ones that was going to go to the pound. And they were trying to get rid of all their cats and got rid of it. I don't know. I don't really wasn't keeping track of it. But this particular cat, whenever I would go to my son's house, he would always jump on my lap and then cling to me as if we were on a sinking ship, literally. And uh, he, he definitely had some sort of bonding, and, and I started to feel this connection to him that 
he was he was asking for my help. And I said, I don't want a cat. I'm living in my car. There's no way I can have a cat. I mean, a, a, do, a little chihuahua, you know, it might be doable. I saw a lot of people who were homeless with, you know, small, small dogs. And uh, so that might have been doable. But a cat, you got to be kidding me. And he was. It was very problematic because he doesn't come when you call him. And when he gets scared, he just runs. And if he's scared, he'll run straight across the street without looking for cars. I mean, he's, he's a cat. He's, he's a lower level mental being, intelligence being than a dog. And so anyway, the, um, uh, so anyway, I, 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 on the last week I was there, I finally accepted the fact that he was going to live with me. And, uh, and on 2000, in 2014, September, I left forever to really totally separate from my kids. They moved to the other part of the valley and, um, uh, yeah, where did my wife go? Oh, yeah, my wife moved in with a co-worker um, up, which was about a block away from the homeless shelter. I would end up living in, what, five years later. So five years later, I was one block away from where she ended up moving to. I Just coincidence. But anyway, the um, cat moved in with me, and uh, he lived with me from that September of 2014 until we moved into here, October 2019. And during that time, he spent a small, almost a year with my son's house, but that was not a good idea. Well, it was not, I had to when I was in the hospital for five months. There's no way I could keep him in my car during those months. But, um, yeah, but I kept him in that. It, it was kind of convenient for me, and I thought he was in a better place, but it turned out he wasn't. So I ended up moving him back in with me, and then he was happy, and we lived happily as a homeless couple <laughs> until we got here. And uh, that's why I had to tell my cat just a minute ago. I said, you're really a... Interrupting me and you know causing me some problems, but I said you're communicating with me, so for that reason, I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna be resentful, and so I I went and fed him, and hopefully he'll be okay for a few hours now. <laughs> we eat every three hours. In fact, living in my car, he learned to eat like I do. Um, I'd get up at seven o'clock and feed him breakfast. I'd feed him a snack around ten o'clock. We'd have lunch around. 12 and I'd have a snack around three. We'd eat dinner between five and six. So he's gotten used to eating like a teaspoon of cat food, you know, every three hours and then having dry food there all day long. But we'd get into him, my, his, his, my life with him another time. But okay, so anyway, the homeless life. I just wanted to say that during those years, I kept working. I got this Zoom recorder in, I think it was 2000. Yeah, it must have been 2014. It was actually 2013, the Christmas. One of my students gave me a gold coin as a Christmas present. And so I took that gold coin, cashed it in, and bought this recorder. Boom, that was it. So um, anyway, so the homeless life. I, all those years that I was homeless, I kept trying. To, I just produce stuff. I can't help it. I'm a creative person. It's not like I have to sit down and say, okay, now what can I create? It's like, no, there's always stuff just pouring out of my brain, whether it's music or poetry or ideas. In fact, what I release and write down is probably only at best a third and probably one-tenth of all the stuff that I create in my mind that was worthy of even being written down. I just can't be always writing down everything. I'm doing other things. I'm working. I'm driving. <laughs> uh, so anyway, a lot of my creativity never makes it to paper or recordings. So anyway, there's my homeless life real quick. So during those years, I did a lot of, I, I actually released a couple of books. And my cat, what do you... What are you doing there, little buddy? <laughs> I, I have fed you. All right, hold on. I'm going to pick him up. Well, hello, my little friend. Uh, he's not usually one for who needs attention much. 
I try to give him attention. He'll like, he'll like a little bit, and then we'll hug. He'll sit on my chest. Let me pat him for a few minutes, and then he's up and gone. So, hello, bud. I'm holding him in my arms, and he's, he's sliming my glasses. Uh, his way of leaving his scent, I guess. He goes around rubbing his smile on things. So, anyway, yes. Now, you want down? Satisfied your love quotient there. Okay. I'm not sure what he wants. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, my audio may be fading in and out of here. Sorry about that. This is a cardioid microphone, and so it's a, it expects me to always be looking at it and talking at this from the same distance. So pardon me. Let's get to work here. So anyway, yeah, during my... Anyway, I, I recorded a lot of videos, and I was practicing my flute, and I was performing for about two years, a year and a half at least. I was... Um, performing poetry events, and I would, I would recite a poem or two, depending on how long it was, and then I'd play a song on my flute. So I could do um, only a few pages of poetry, because my poetry is like a minute a page, and then I, my songs are about two to three minutes, so I was able to squeeze in a, a long poem or a couple of short ones and a flute song and at all these open mic readings. And let, Except for one event, I actually was hi hired as the... Uh, featured poet, and they give you a 25-minute slot, and that was great. And then after I got that slot, I realized, oh, wow, um, this is, um, what was it, May 4th. And May 4th is the uh, day of the Kent State Massacre, which now they're covering it up with a Star Wars day, ironically. The, uh, but anyway, that uh, Kent State Massacre. And so anyway, I realized, well, if I'm going to perform on that day, I'm obliged to, to mention it, do something, write a poem. And then I finally decided, well, let's just do the whole show. So I did the whole show. That was in 2018, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty sure. So 2018, May 4th, I performed as a featured poet at a theater, uh, a real theater in um, North Hollywood, well, a little teeny theater. And it was really a, um, it was a good show. It was a really good show. There's not any good video or rec uh, there's kind of a recording of it from far away and in the dark. So it's, there's nothing really good to share that experience with you. But I did, as a result, I, I made a big deal out of it. And I printed up librettos, all the poetry and everything, and put them in nice, you know, little packages, you know, with those um, with covers, like little, not, not really notebooks, but the clear presentation covers like you would do for a, a business briefing or something. Anyway, I, and I had like a couple of dozen of those. And I wanted to sell them for a buck or something, or you know, I forget what, maybe five bucks, ten bucks. I forget. <laughs> but anyway, I was trying to sell them, and I don't think I sold like two of them and uh, gave a couple away. And, and I got a whole bunch of them. And I thought, oh well, they're all autographed and signed. So I thought, well, maybe I'll auction them off at some point. So they're stuck in my other closet, and where I keep all my stuff for sale. So anyway, all those years I was homeless, I was pumping out stuff, and I was doing as much as I could especially based on the fact that I had, uh, based on my resources. So let's get, let's jump here into the philosopher poet. This book was actually written, of course, while I was homeless and was published in 2018 or 19. Let's see, what does it say in here? So it's published, yeah, published 2019, uh, April, April 8th, which is Buddha's birthday. So that kind of meant something to me. So yeah, but it was written over the prior year before that, um, all this poetry. And uh, the front picture here on the cover, we had to reshoot it because my friend and photographer, Oscar Barrera, who's passed away now during the COVID thing, um, he had a heart condition and he got sick and died in the hospital. So, but he, um, 
shot this twice. We shot it once, and I thought it was a really good shoot, but he shot it at a really low resolution. And when I tried to blow it up for the covers and stuff, it's like, well, you know, this this isn't very good. So we went back and shot it at a higher quality. And when we did, it totally changed because it had just been a grass field the first time. And then the next time we went, it was all overgrown with wild mustard and all the yellow flowers. So it's really cool. And one of the songs or poems that I'd already written for it is called Field of Dreams. So we had, I'd already made that connection between looking for a field for the cover. And so anyway, the title of the book is Philosopher Poet in a Field of Dreams. And I'm sitting in the, in the field playing my flute. And if you look on my lap, you'll see a little brown... Uh, notebook, little teeny one. And all the years that I was homeless, my system was I'd have a big fanny pack, kind of one of the larger ones, because I'd always have a poetry book with me. So whenever I went to perform, I'd always have it with me, and I was always writing, and I could add to it, and I actually would fill up each book, and then I'd put it in storage, and then I'd start another one. And I went through quite a few of those. What's he? What are you doing, Bear? Oh, hi, Bear. There you are. <laughs> okay, anyway. Bear's uh, got a little... He's being a little rambunctious. There's a word you don't hear much, but it was very common when I was a kid. All right, well, anyway, let's get to work here. Um, there's a picture of a, I call it a stupa on the next page after the copyright page here. And, oh, uh, by the way, on the copyright page, it says, Edited and Typeset by Richard Del Connor, which is true, I did everything. Author is Richard Del Connor. My Chinese name is Jen Shen Long or Buddha Z. English translation of my Chinese name is Spirit Wolf of Truth. And you can actually go to facebook.com slash and then type in the words Spirit Wolf of Truth and you'll be on my Buddha Gen page, my Kung Fu page. The Richard Del Connor Facebook page is Richard is facebook.com slash Richard dot Del Connor. Somehow Del became my middle uh, my part of my last name. <laughs> it's, it's my middle name, actually. So anyway... Uh, there's a stupa on the next page, and the stupa is based on the uh, monuments that are at the Shaolin Temple in China, erected to really famous, you know, warriors and people at the temple, and monks and abbots or uh, whomever. Somebody else can maybe give you a better depiction of that, but that's my understanding. Anyway, there's all these stupas, and they're huge headstones, some being, you know, three stories high or something for some reason. Uh, which is ironic, being Zen Buddhists, and we're not supposed to really have monuments or things like that. We don't worship idols or gods or anything. So, But anyway, we do have those stupas. So anyway, I've got one of those stupas as the main part of the logo. And then on the left and right are um, the two characters, which are normally together, which means lin or forest. Forest. They actually represent trees. You put one tree up, it means tree. And then you put some fruit on it, and you can say, oh, it's an apple tree. But if you take two trees and put them next to each other in Chinese, that means forest. Now, there's a word, young. It means young forest temple is what Shaolin Temple translates as. And the uh, young, the word, I'd put it into the, temp, into the stupa. And my artist at the time, John Carnett, didn't agree with that when we were putting together my very first album cover in two, 1984 when I created Shaolin Records. And, of course, this logo became the logo for all my Shaolin companies. I'm actually Shaolin uh, Records, Shaolin Communications, Shaolin Chimantis, Shaolin Music, Shaolin Pictures. I've really got kind of a lock on the Shaolin thing, which hasn't really done me much benefit, though. Uh, because, as I said, I was homeless for many years and only selling a few albums. So people weren't that attracted to anything with the word Shaolin in it. Anyway, the next page on here is the... Um, me walking through that. In fact, that's from the original photo shoot because all the flowers are gone. And uh, so I made a smaller picture and, and uh, it looks okay. And you can see me walking away. 
So let's see. Um, philosopher, poet, and a field of dreams. Now, I did something interesting with this, which I'm going to do with many of my poetry books, maybe most all of them for forever. And that's when I have very interesting handwriting. And I'd like to think that the calligraphy itself is an expression. You take it and you just condense it into some typewriter font and, and you lose a little bit of the character of the writing. And a lot of people have complimented and said they liked my writing, even though it's sometimes a little indiscernible when I write quickly. So on the left side pages will be the typeset poem. And on the right side will be the handwritten poem. And I do short sections of it. And a lot of people have commented who I passed it out to when I was homeless trying to get some sales and, and some, some fame <laughs> among my, my uh, yeah, that low-level community from the lower strata of society, um, including the people that worked in the churches and stuff who were supportive. In fact, the people in the churches were the only ones who really bought my book. But um, anyway, they, I, I got comments from people, including some of those people who worked in the church. They said, I just love your poetry book because I like to just open it up at random to any page and then read the poem there. And, and, I, and they said that they found that to be the most inspirational way to use this book is to just open it up and then just read a poem and wherever you are. And it kind of somehow might, it's kind of like the I Ching or something. It might represent what, it might have the answer that you're looking for, that question of your life. And I've actually tried that, and it really is an interesting experience to do that. Just open this book up to a random page and then read it and then see how that relates to your current circumstances. So I'm not trying to say it is. <laughs> it was ever intended to be that way, but it just it's a cool way to do it. Well, it's a good poetry book. So anyway, the dedication page, I need to explain, explain this because this is kind of an, an this is actually an error, uh, a mistake I made. But it's a, it's a mistake that I think is a beautiful mistake because it, it was for the better. Uh, the dedication page says, This book is dedicated to Jim Morrison, the rock and roll poet of The Doors, whose poetry, singing, and psychedelic creativity inspired me as a teenager. And that's true. As a, as a poet, he was very influential. His lyrics and like the lyrics to Strange Days, um, um, The End. There's a couple of other ones. The... Um, uh, celebration of the lizard, the poetry that was in the, I think it's inside the Waiting for the Sun album, but it wasn't on the album because the song wasn't, I guess they didn't think it was good enough to go on the album. And, uh, but the poem was there. And so there it was, this like really psychedelic poem, which really inspired me. Um, so anyway, uh, on the right side here is the handwritten dedication. So I wrote this whole thing in one day. I was in the homeless shelter at the time and I was sitting in my car in the rain writing this poetry book, and here's what it says. Dedicated to Jim Morrison, this entire poetry book was handwritten on his 75th birthday. Happy birthday, Jim. Richard Del Connor, my signature. December 6th, 2018. But I was mistaken because evidently 2000, I mean, December 8th, 1943, was his real birthday. So I was a couple of days off, but I didn't know that. Some message I had on my phone made me think that it was his birthday that day. But it was good that I at least thought it was. Because with that error, I was constantly always thinking that Jim was either was watching over, over my shoulder, that he was like in a way impressed and enjoying what I was doing and kind of satisfied that somebody was fulfilling his dream. Because I think that he wanted to be a poet more than a rock star. He actually was not a real musician. If you go to my musician theory, he was not 
I mean, he was creative because he was smart and he was witting and he was cynical and he came up with some really good stuff. But songs like Light My Fire were actually written by the guitarist. And so anyway, they were they were a good band collectively. Collectively, they were absolutely amazing. And Jim through because he didn't really want to be a musician and didn't really want to be a pop star or a commercial musician. He came at the attitude of being a creative person from a very cynical way. And I think that that added a certain flavor to his poetry that made it more realistic and, and inspiring. At least for me. Okay, so real quickly. Well, Actually, it's been 24 minutes. I'm going to leave it right there. I, I thought we were going to go farther, but I, I talk so much. But I want to just end talking about the homelessness. But I've got all these videos that I've uploaded to YouTube, which are going to be uploading once a week until like almost the end of this year. I have so many, but I've got many, many more. But I wanted to get a lot of them just out there because that's why I was doing it. I was doing them to upload them to YouTube and maybe get some credit, maybe go, oh, man, this guy's a great poet or this guy's a great writer. And that, that. So I was looking for someone to recognize me or give me some, you know, I, I was reaching out for help or support and never got it, never got it. So anyway, the um, but I, I feel like I need to finish that project. So I'm going to be pumping out a lot of the homeless stuff. So it'll be a little bit more of a topic for another year. And then when I release the books, I guess it'll still be a topic. So darn it. It's <laughs> but, but I'm really moving on. I'm, I'm just starting an album as the Kung Fu Cowboy called Scorpion Resurrection. And I've got a new computer. I got new software. I'm using uh, Logic Pro music software for the first time. I've never used that. And I've got this other uh, program application called computer app called contact spelled with k and that's for making it's what they use for movie soundtracks i mean i don't know what the percentage is maybe three-fourths of all the movies you see are done with this contact application and they take samples of every of these orchestras and then they just put them together and they make music and soundtracks out of them and that's how your movies are made it's a lot more inexpensive and easier to do than hiring an orchestra so that's the way three-fourths of all the movies, maybe more than that now even, um, especially since the COVID crisis. You know, maybe all movies are done this way with few exceptions. So anyway, orchestras are out of the business. But that's what I've been saying for the last 10 years is I wanted to play the orchestra because I love orchestra. And in fact, just like Mozart, I was actually the organist of my Freemason Lodge for uh, some years. So that's what he was. He was an organist for his Freemason Lodge also. Okay, so let's leave it there, and I'm going to come back, and we'll go to the contents. I'll explain what the book is, and then we'll get to a poem. All right. Richard Del Conner, the philosopher-poet, and philosopher-poet because I study philosophy. I mean, I'm always studying philosophy. I'm always learning. I'm changing my mind. I get more information, and I become smarter and get a different viewpoint. So being a philosopher is is... Most people use it as a way to rationalize what they're doing. They find a philosophy that, that basically makes them feel okay about maybe even the uh, greed that they're perpetrating. But I see philosophy in a much broader sense of how it really relates to the whole human species, the world, the planet, the life, and the universe. So when I look at philosophy, I'm looking for some sort of truths that are really evident and, and consistent throughout all of reality. All right. See you later.
close friends we've come far to be here all alone on this concrete curb money's gone love's past future dangling telephone Another chance to play today. 